Hello and welcome cats and kittens. My name is Alonda Carter and I am the Recovering Hunbot and this is season one episode, I'm not so sure, of Hey Hun, You Woke Up. If you're watching me on YouTube or listening to me on one of the various podcast platforms, thank you so very much and welcome. Today I am chatting with Kayla and Chris. They are the hosts of the podcast called Cults or Just Weird. They interviewed me not so long ago, and I will put a link to that in the description. They are in their second season of their podcast, and they really put together some thought-provoking content. So if you have not checked them out, make sure that you do, and I will put a link to their podcast in the description. If you have watched any of my videos or listened to me on one of the podcast platforms, then you know that I lump multi-level marketing into the land of cult. So that's kind of how Chris and Kayla and I, we all kind of connected through this same kind of thing. So let's go ahead and welcome Kayla and Chris to the show. Chris and Kayla, thank you so very much for joining me today. I've been looking forward to this conversation, even though right now the world is really, you know, we're, like we said before I hit record, it's just jumping from one fire to another and everything is just, it's a very different time and difficult time and all that whatnot. But I do want to say thank you so much for joining me today. And you both are the host of Cult or Just Weird. Did I say that right? Yes, that's okay, right. Perfect. <laughs> all right, make sure because, you know, my brain just leaks out of my ear sometimes. But Same. I wanted to talk about you know, how did you even come up with this as an idea for your podcast? Because, you know, I love the title. And then, of course, I love the cult connection. And then sometimes, yeah, things are just like, just, they're just looking weird. You know, it's like, what the heck is that? So yeah. can you kind of walk me through, like, how that came into being? Yeah, we, lo- we love telling this story because it's actually like, it's still my favorite episode is, is the story of how we kind of got into it. Um, but, uh, f- first of all, um, you're welcome for being on your show and, and thank you for having us on your show and thank you for appearing on our show to, uh, our last episode, um, we published last Tuesday, uh, we had this long interview with you and it was, it made a really, made for a really good show. So I really appreciate that too. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, uh, so we, <laughs> you know, best friends, animal society. No, I don't. They're huge. So it's a huge, 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 like no kill um, animal organization. They have a huge sanctuary out in Utah. We have cars driving by. They have a huge <laughs> sanctuary out in Utah. Um, there's one in LA. Yeah. They had that show Dogtown that was Did you on watch like, Dogtown? Animal Planet. I've heard of it. Here in, uh, excuse me. Here in Houston, we only have one no-kill shelter, and that's Friends for Life. And I have mm. volunteered wow. for them. I mean, it's probably much smaller than what you're talking about. But anyway. the other place, yeah. the other place, it might have come across your radar is they um, when the Michael Vick stuff happened. Yes, um, they took a bunch of the those dogs in, and there was even I think a documentary about it called mm-hmm. what was it called? Victory Dogs. Victory Dogs. Right. Anyway, huge piece of property in um, southern in Kanab, Utah beautiful beautiful property and just gorgeous i mean like hundreds of square miles yeah. um anyway so this is back in 2016 i believe that we it's funny you're like talking about like oh crazy news we were like we need to unplug for a minute right so it was december 2016 or you know our christmas break was coming up at work so it was like we gotta get away from everything that's happening let's go yeah no more news let's let's go take care of some dogs so so we um we basically, we there for what, like a week and, uh, and you'd been there before to volunteer. So they have this volunteer program and, um, and as part of the volunteer program, they serve you like free lunch in this cafeteria. Free vegan lunch. Free vegan lunch, of it's course. all very yeah. like hippy dippy and because you, you're going there too, <laughs> you can volunteer with the dogs and the cats and the pigs oh, and, and have, the horses yeah, and you can specific guinea pigs, like literally stuff. anything except for like exotic animals you can volunteer with to feed and pet and just chill with it's amazing highly recommend it was a great experience i'd already gone with um, my sister for her birthday many years ago and we felt like okay let's go pet some dogs in like a remote area of utah for a week and that will be the greatest way to spend our holiday vacation yeah so so we're in the cafeteria one day and you know going through the line and I overhear somebody say this, this elderly man uh, talking to some other people saying, uh, hi, oh yes, hi, I'm one of the founders. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, oh, that's cool that the, 
the founders of Best Friends Animal Society will like will eat with the volunteers. That's really neat. And then I was there the next day, and I heard a some uh, middle aged to elderly lady say the same thing. Say, "Oh, uh, hi, my name is what was her name again?" Should we say it? No. Hi, my name is Blank, and I'm one of oh, the we founders. Can say her name. I don't care. <laughs> her name was Faith. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because right. I met her before. Right. Hi, my name is Faith. I'm one of the founders, and I was like. And, they, and she said it like in the exact same way too. You know, it wasn't like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, my name's Faith or, hey, I'm, it was, it was just, I don't know. There's something about it that I was like. A specific choice of words. Yeah, the specific choice of words. And, and I feel like this happens now on our, on our show a lot too, where there's just like something just slightly off enough just to make you go, huh. Doesn't feel, there's something about it that goes, there's more to this story. And the and part that I didn't tell, well, yeah, so when you were there. So the, the usage of the word founders twice in, in just those two days, um, it was also something that had happened when I visited with my sister a few years before. Um, we'd been sitting in the cafeteria. A woman comes up to us. Oh, can I, can I sit and have lunch with you? Yeah, great, sure. Um, and she sits down. Hi, my name's Faith. I'm one of the founders of Best Friends. And, you know, we thought that was the coolest thing, the most amazing thing. We got to talk to this woman about you know, what it was like to build, um, to build this vast animal sanctuary from the ground up. Um, wonderful experience. I came home. I'm pretty sure I told you all about it. Like, I mean, it's part of why we went later. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and so because I had told him the story of meeting a founder, then when you started to hear it again and again in the cafeteria, we were like, why? Yeah. It's like multiple years later, they're using the same terminology. I don't know. Just there was something that's felt a little strange about it. It's like different than saying I'm the CEO or I'm the CFO, or it was just the word founder was so specific. Yeah. So (laughs) anyway, that got our curiosity up and, She's like, uh, well, no, it literally what happened addicted to research was you heard the word founder. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. You heard the word founder. I went to the bathroom <laughs> and by the time I came back, he had already gone on Wikipedia and was like Googling this. And he went, do you know how best friends started? <laughs> well, cause I thought it would just be something like sort of weird, you know, but then I started picking at the thread and I was like, Oh, it's still unraveling. Oh boy. This is still unraveling. And uh, safe to say that they have a um, a very storied and interesting. What would you call it? Like before their life as best friends, Animal Society, they had a decades long life as pretty much a full fledged cult. As a cult. <laughs> and like, not like the, not the worst kind of cult that you can picture. You know, it's. From our research, no, but they had connections. I mean, they, they had were connections coward. to uh, to Scientology. Yeah, there's alleged connections to Charles Manson. The rabbit they hole had, goes very deep. They had a compound in what was it, Mexico? Yeah, they. I mean, yeah, like we, I don't want to like recap the entire first episode of our of our podcast to you, but uh, yeah, the rabbit hole goes deep for them. And it was so. It was so. <laughs> I think really what kind of launched us into the podcast was you went on Wikipedia to figure out what the background of this was and the background of best friends on Wikipedia. It's, it's, it's too simple to pass the smell test. It basically goes best friends, animal sanctuary started as the foundation church of the millennium until, you know, 1990, whatever. And then they became best friends. And for me, that's a huge red flag when a transition like that is just kind of glossed over and there's not further information anywhere. We talked about something on our show recently called the Streisand effect, where the more you try to hide something, the more people want to see it. And I think that that, that that's really true for us. Whenever Mm -hmm. there's obfuscation, it's like, okay, there's something here. We got to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And the funny part too, is that it's like, I never, like I'd listened to podcasts before that, right? Like I have a bunch of podcasts I'm a big fan of. I'd never thought of it as something that I wanted to do with, with my time and my life and my research. I never thought of it as like, Oh, I, I really got to be a podcaster. Like I didn't really, you know, I never studied like sound engineering or anything like that. Um, it just sort of like fell in our laps that we're like, Oh, we got to tell this story. And it, it just sort of organically grew from that. It was, it just, we said, let's tell the story. And then from there, it became like, I wonder if there are other interesting stories like that. And it turns out <laughs> that there are. Um, Too many. Yeah. It's like the more and more we look, 
at the things in our daily lives, the more and more we realize, oh, so many of these things have, if, if not, you know, are not full-fledged cults, at least have cult-like facets to them. You know, especially they're at least weird. They're at least weird. They're at least, you know, hit one of our criteria. Um, but like just talking about MLMs, you know, for so many people on the surface and MLM, you know, it's a, it's a business and, or it's a scam. And then you look at it a little bit closer and, Oh no, 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 it's a cult. (laughs) And I think that we're just finding more and more and more of that. The more we do the show. You know, that's really interesting how you talk about how basically just things, just, you know, kind of like everyday things. It seems like on the surface. Okay. Just like the MLM. And then you start digging. Because I know myself, I start digging into things and it's like, man, the more I lift that hood and start taking out the pieces and I'm like, there's something dirty and smelly and grimy and I'm not so sure about. And just like what you said, when something seems like almost a little bit too clean because of that weird, abrupt, strange transition, when I see something that appears like, oh, it it, it appears so good and so pure. And I'm like, hmm, but is it? You know, there's... Right. And I think like with me, with MLMs, the people, I'm, I'm working on a piece right now and the, the founder, I'm going to have to use the word, you know, the female founder, when you hear her on a talk about the, the offering or whatever, she appears to be um, kind of pure, kind of, you know, like from the heart, but I'm like, but there's other things that she says. I'm like, oh, she knows exactly what she's, there's, there's stuff going on here, but she can certainly put on that show as if she's just like me and you. And she's just trying to help people. I'm like, uh, I'm not buying it, sister, not buying it. So mm-hmm. that, that is really fascinating because I have a huge heart for animals as do many people in this world. But the thought of that this arose out of some kind of cultic group is incredible incredibly fascinating because it's really almost like you never know when you walk around the corner, bam, you just might be running into something that's a cult. So let me ask you this. Is there anything that you thought was a cult, but you looked at it after all, it's like, no, it doesn't really meet the criteria. And I know when we talked, we talked, you know, you mentioned the bite model. I've talked about the bite model a lot and my listeners may or may not remember what that is right now, but how is it that you kind of make that distinction of like, yeah, that checks every box and like, no, this is just weird. What do you do? So that's a good question. And one of the things that we do that uh, has actually turned out to be fairly popular with our listeners is um, we have the criteria, which is like this list of, of criteria that we use. Um, and I just want to be like super upfront about this. Like we are not academic researchers. And so this is not, you know, based on like when we first got into this, we obviously did a lot of our own digging and our own research. Like, well, how do we, how do we determine this? Right. But we, I just want to be upfront that we're not, we are not academics, so it's not, you know, it's not like a, um, don't take it with a grain of salt, I guess is what I'm saying. But, um, but we knew that with a title like cult or just weird, one of the first things we said is like, well, I mean, we have to be able to figure out how, to, <laughs> which is which. Yeah, like, how do we determine that? So we, we came up with these criteria after like a lot of research and discussion. Um, so, uh, and we, and we totally do like, we look into, we look at the bite model and we look at some of those other things as well. Um, but we just kind of wanted something that was like, um, check the boxes for unique us. for our show. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, the, we, the criteria we use are presence of a charismatic leader. My that favorite was, one. That was sort of like the easiest one to, to think about. Right. Cause it's like, you have all these, like, like the classic cults always have like a Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh or a, Jim Jones, Jim Jones Charles Manson, yeah. whoever. Um, and then we also, so that's sort of that one. And then uh, the next one is um, expected harm to the individual. I'm probably going to do these out of the order that we normally We should have our in. list in front of us. But we, we totally should have brought out the list, but I can do it from memory probably. Maybe. <laughs> um, but so it figured like this is the expected harm criteria criterion is to me what kind of differentiates between what Steve Hassan might call a, um, a destructive cult versus like a benign cult um, in our sort of like blunt methodology. We basically treat it as like, well, you're not a cult if you're not destructive. But I think that his, his view is maybe a little more nuanced. Um, 
but the basic idea is that if it's causing harm, it's more cult-like to us. And, and that can be not causing harm. Physical, physical harm, emotional harm, financial harm. Like it can kind of. Right. Like, so like MLMs kind of take a couple of those financial harm, psychological harm, but you know, some cults, you know, require that you like don't eat for 10 days or like me, all kinds of different stuff. Right. Um, I mean, there was some physical harm evident in, um, in the episode we did about cult deprogramming. Um, so that's, that's the next one. Um, and then the, the next is, I, I really like this one is um, presence of ritual. Um, and that one's so interesting to me because it's like, I don't know, just in general ritual, aside from cults, like ritual is just a really fascinating aspect of the human experience to me. Uh, I grew up Catholic. So, um, you know, obviously the Catholic church is just absolutely chock full of it. <laughs> um, and, and I also feel like ritualistic behaviors because they tend to like help define like a, an in-group and an out-group, which, you know, can be good or bad. Um, but because of that, they tend to be not well understood. They tend to feel foreign. So that when you look at a ritual, you kind of go like, oh, what's that weird thing that those weirdos are doing, right? And it may not be bad, but it tends to raise that 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 mental um flag of like i that is very unexpected so like we did an episode on um an insurance company that grew, <laughs> that grew out of uh, uh and it actually turns out this is not totally uncommon this is multiple com- things have done this but it's called the woodman of america and they grew out of a fraternal order so like if you think about um like the like, um, the, like the freemasons for example and like you know, back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there were just like a ton of these fraternal orders in the U.S. They were just like super popular. Um, but it, it, they had like these weird rituals. Like at the end of the day, they were just like a, a bunch of people just in a sort of a mutual community support group um, that also happened to apparently involve insurance sales. Um, but the thing that makes them seem strange to us is they had like these really weird rituals where like, I don't know. Like, like bonding rituals. Yeah, like the, there was like this, they had this like, weird sort of like rocking horse goat thing that they would put somebody in and they would like you'd have go to, on backwards and you'd have to like try to hang on almost like um like uh like a bull yeah but they would like shoot fireworks <laughs> out of it it was very it was, it was super bizarre over, very strange especially for like the 1800s it was very strange right and at the end of the day you know here life insurance right obviously um but but that's the thing with, with the ritual criteria for us is that it's like totally benign stuff like and it and it helps them bond it helps it helps the woodman uh group have like this shared language shared experience and everything but to an outsider it's like look at those weirdos they must be a cult um so that's yeah and there's i could say a lot more about the ritual criteria well, especially for ritual again kind of like the physical harm it's it's not that it's nebulous but it is it can kind of change and adapt for what we need it to as we've yeah. we're, we're very liberal with the term ritual we find that we can apply it to things that that maybe at first blush don't seem ritualistic like even even with mlm stuff you know we talked about mary Kay. i think was the first multi-level marketing we talked about on our show oh yeah and ritual can, in mlms yeah. is like huge i mean you have the rallies you have the the shared language of like upline and downline and like all you know all their ibos like you know it's very very ritualistic things um, and especially things that like the in-group would not call rituals, but from an outside perspective and you yeah. really kind of break it down to what those activities are. It, it feels very ritualistic. Mary Kay has its own song. Yeah. It's a cute song. It's a cute. Yeah, it's totally, yeah. it is. Um, the other thing that comes into play with ritual too is like uh, symbology. So one of the things that, that kind of triggered this whole thing for best friends, I think was that they have this logo. That's just like kind of weird looking. <laughs> And by the way, I don't want to sound like we're like shitting on best friends here. I love best friends. Best friends is awesome. I can't wait to go back and volunteer. They have a weird past, you know, but like a lot of us have weird pasts. I think what they're doing now is, is great. And our experience there was great. They do tremendous work in, in helping animals. Um, But their logo is weird looking. And that's one of the things that kind of turned us on to it. We did an episode about uh, the city of Irvine in in southern california it's just and, a small town and my and a friend of mine asked me like well you know 
what was it that that ultimately made you want to do Irvine as a as a topic? And aside from the fact that we had like lived in and around there and worked there for a while, the the thing that I said that that, that really kind of put it over the edge for me is they have this weird ass logo that looks like this creepy, like like Illuminati looking and they just put it everywhere. And it's, even though it's probably totally benign, like all these other things we're talking about, it just makes you kind of go like, why is that logo everywhere? It's on like the park benches. Like what's going on here? Um, So that's, I know we're getting like really into the weeds here, but uh, so our next criteria is um, the population or like niche is, is the cult niche. And that's to sort of separate it from like that. That's, that's less about, is it a cult or is it like a full fledged um, religion? And I don't want to like, hopefully I don't, I don't want to like say, Oh, all cults, all religions are cults. It's it's less about that. And more about like um, when some of these, uh, particularly like the new religious movement type groups um, tend to actually share, uh, you know, some similarities with, um, with more full-fledged religions. I mean, like, again, going back to my, my background as a Catholic, I mean, some of the things that Catholics do, like if that was, you know, just like 10 people in a compound in Washington state, instead of like, you know, a third of the world's population, people might look at that as pretty strange. I mean, literally Catholics believe that you are uh, hopefully uh, not getting too much into the religion here, but literally Catholics believe that when you, uh, have the 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 wafer, the bread wafer, and drink the wine as part of a mass. That you are drinking the blood of Christ and eating the body of Christ, and that not like sim- symbolically. Like I, I remember, a, there was a sermon that a priest did, and and one of our one of the masses I attended, and he was like, "No, no, you are literally eating the flesh and blood of Christ," which, um, you know, in a in a different setting might might seem pretty strange right so um so there's a lot of similarities and there are a lot of symbology of course with you know with catholicism a lot of um you know the whole there's there's a the whole narrative uh, you know through the bible there's a lot of stuff going on there so um so that's it's it's less to say like oh catholicism is a cult um and more to say like are these other smaller groups that have similar aspects to them not cults because they're just not popular or, you know what I mean? Like, so it's, that's, that's, so that's like a weird one. Um, but it it's, it's, just, it's, it's also, it's our most like controversial criteria. It allows us to kind of talk about, is this a cult or has this moved beyond that status to become a, a different facet of society? So I, I think we even yeah. struggled with, with this when we talk, when we've talked about MLMs on our show, because they aren't necessarily niche and they aren't little known. Like these are huge, huge components of our society with hundreds of thousands of people spending money on them, or at least like having their lives touched by them in some way. So that for us, it's like, well, has that, has that moved beyond the designation of quote unquote cult? And is it now something else that doesn't make it, you know, better or worse, but is it something else if it's so widely accepted and experienced in society um that's that to us feels different than something that we would colloquially refer to as a cult yeah the next one's a lot easier so the next one is is just percentage we say percentage of life consumed so that's um just sort of to try to refer to oh, sorry you're gonna have a, a siren coming maybe in the background here okay, hopefully. i have trucks outside going <laughs> We, actually, we live next to a uh, a fire department, uh, so <laughs> makes podcasting real fun, real easy. Um, but yeah, so percentage of life consumed is sort of the idea that, like, uh, actually, you brought this up in in your interview with us really well when you talked about like just how much of your life Beachbody wants to control, and and how much of your your personal life gets taken over by it. Like, you're never you're never off, you know. You're you're always either having to do self-improvement stuff or, you know, talk to your friends or talk to the person at the grocery store with Mary Kay or that, you know, that came up. You're using the products yourself. You're yeah. posting about it on social media. It's just a constant, you're 
your life is constantly dedicated to this thing and that the higher percentage of your life that gets consumed, we feel the the more cult-like it is. Versus like a club that you you might, or like when I was in the Boy Scouts, I don't know, maybe they're a cult anyway, but like, you know, you go one for one meeting a week and then you do some campouts and stuff, but it's not expected that you're like, you know, dedicated to it. Living, breathing, 24, 7, 365. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then the final one is, oh, maybe actually this one's my, I don't know, rituals. Pretty, but anyway, the final one is anti-factuality, which is like, a, again, a really, <laughs> a really blunt term. But when we, when we say that, we mean things like, um, I mean, any, anything from like the outright lies that, that you were sort of talking about a minute ago when you kind of, oh, your bullshit detector is kind of turning on there um, to the lies that, that sometimes I, I really do believe that like these cult leaders can tell themselves. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of the MLM, I, I mean, I, it would not surprise me if a lot of the CEOs and higher ups at MLMs really do believe that they are doing like Mike Sheffield. I would not be surprised if Mike Sheffield really thought that he was doing good in the world, especially if you go onto the Sheffield's group website, which I did after talking to you and, and you look at their mission statement. Yeah, I know his mission statement is like all about like doing, doing good capital G good with our life on earth. And it's just very like, Oh, you really are drinking your own Kool-Aid. But then the other thing that comes up a lot is like closed logical loops. So this is like conspiratorial thinking where, um, you know, the, the evidence against is more proof that the conspiracy exists, right? So it's this closed logical loop that, so it's like, you know, the, any evidence against the cult would be proof that people are just trying to, you know, to denounce us. Any evidence against, you know, Beachbody or, or some other MLM is, is just evidence that you're, uh, you know, you have a bad way of thinking. And you're a stinker thinker. You're a stinker thinker, <laughs> right, exactly. So that sort of like closed logical system. And then the other thing that come, that we talk about a lot is motivated reasoning, um, which is something, of course, that like all humans are very prone to. We're prone to it a lot. We talk about it a lot, actually. Um, but the the idea that like your, your reasoning, your logic, your thought process is to defend an already held belief rather than examine beliefs that you can think of as maybe as being right or wrong. It's like, it's basically the capability of saying, do I, do I at least entertain the notion that I could be wrong about something? Right. And if you don't at least entertain that notion, you are going to find yourself victim to motivated reasoning. It's just how humans are. A really good example is like the flat earth movement and the flat earth beliefs for, for, for both closed logical systems and for motivated reasoning. Um, There's a lot of, I believe that the earth is flat. And so I will gather evidence that proves that rather right. than actual scientific evidence that proves reality. And then there's also the, I believe the earth is flat and any, any evidence you present me is just you presenting me with evidence that I'm right. If you present to me that the earth is round, I go, here's 10 reasons why that's fake. And it has made me even firmer in my belief that the earth is flat. Yeah. And then like for, you know, MLM distributors, the motivated reasoning is like this, this needs to work because I was told that this is going to, you know, let me buy the Lamborghini and let me choose my own hours and have the life I want. So therefore, I'm going to reason out that it must, I, I just need to try harder. Or I just need to look at this different system or I just, so you engage in these sort of like, you know, justifications because you need the thing to be true. That's the part that I think is, is so tragic that yeah. we talk about in a lot of these groups is especially in something like MLM where you have to tell yourself, if I just keep doing this, if I just keep holding on, if I just keep dumping all of my money and time and getting into debt, if I just keep doing it, the, then salvation is just around the corner. I will get there. I will get there. And the more you sink all of that hope into it, the more you're motivated to keep doing it and keep wrapping the noose tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, and even with something that's, that's not MLM, like even talking about flat earth or talking about these other cult groups, this this desperation to hang on to the correct belief and like sinking all of your time and energy and identity into it. That part I feel is so tragic because eventually you're going to come to the realization that this has been incorrect and you have, 
you have been dedicating your life to something that's not going to save you. And then that's its own. It's a hard, hard reality. Reality, yeah. Or you don't realize it. And then it's, that's its own set of tragedies. And it's, it's, I think that that's the part that can be the most devastating to, to, to learn about or to witness. Yeah. And it's, and the other thing too, like, you know, we're talking about things like flat earth and oh, aren't they crazy? But like the, the fact is, um, motivated reasoning, some of these logical fallacies, that's not just them. That's everyone, right? It's, and it's hard to, it's, it's blind spots. Like I know I have them. I just, I don't always know where they are and I would love to root them all out, but I know that's not realistic. And we've definitely seen, um, one of the things that sometimes is like a little bit disturbing when we do research is trying to find a source that you trust and you're like, okay, I trust this person. This, they're like a, they have a PhD and they work at this university and they've done all this and they have a Nobel prize. And we talked to, uh, I highly recommend um, this guy. He's a, he's a well-known skeptic, has some blogs, Dr. David Gorski, and he called it the Nobel disease. And it turns out, and we didn't know this really, but like there are people that win Nobel prizes that then like go on to have some really weird and sometimes like bad things to say about other stuff after that. Like just because you're a fantastic physicist doesn't necessarily mean you have the correct or right or good beliefs about race. And the way that I, the way that I, it's, it's the way that I frame that in my own head is, or that we've talked about with, with Dr. Gorski and between ourselves is that, you know, there's like this talent for creativity that you may need to have that in very high amounts to, achieve a Nobel prize, but that's actually a totally different skill set than checking beliefs and having, you know, critical thinking, like critical thinking and creativity. They're not necessarily correlated. Right. So there's a lot of smart people and, and the smarter you are, the easier it is for you to justify held beliefs, even if those beliefs may not be true. So that's the thing that we notice a lot too in our research that is a little bit scary um, and it's hard, it's hard to navigate sometimes. And that's um, not to say that like, you know, we're, we're firm believers in science and the scientific process and in experts and academics. It's just something that we've uncovered more and more and more is that. You're saying we are firm believers. In we are things. firm yeah, believers. Right. Yeah. We are firm believers in those things. It's just, we've discovered more and more that you, you have to do your own research on the authorities that you come across, especially if you're going to be taking the authority of somebody who's a physicist or a psychologist and they're talking about table making or something that's not in their area of expertise, you can't just, if someone's an expert in one thing, that doesn't mean that they're an expert in all things. Yeah. And if someone's an expert in one thing, that also doesn't necessarily mean they don't have ulterior motives. Like making money is a huge motive for people. And I think that it, I think that the, the, the prospect and the pursuit of getting very rich can sometimes entice people into lending their expertise and lending their credibility to things that they don't necessarily believe in just, you know, for sales. We've talked about, we've talked about some of that on our show, especially when talking about, um, when we were talking about genetics and genetic testing right. and how sometimes it's really easy for the the people who do have these credentials to decide that they want to make money. Yeah. But uh, we just spent a lot of time talking about our six criteria. So those are the six criteria. Um, but the, the impetus for your question was, have we using those criteria, have we found groups that are, we've decided are like, Oh, they're not really cult. Like I think one of my favorite examples for that, and there, there's a few, but I think one of my favorite examples is when you did your episode on tulpas um, so for your audience, in, just in case you haven't uh, heard of tulpas, because they are pretty, they're a pretty uh, niche group, niche group, they're pretty fringe. Um, but it's basically people that uh, create autonomous imaginary friends that essentially they, they live in their own head. And there's this whole like group for them on Reddit. Um, and there, I mean, there's other communities online, but it's, but that's what they do. So they will, they will create essentially another like the best way to think of it um for somebody who hasn't been introduced to it although it's not the most accurate induced split personality like an induced um, multiple personality um and you know there's a lot of reasons of course to maybe be skeptical of that but 
from what we've what we've researched and we've talked to a bunch of people from that community um it seems like it's worth at least believing that that they believe it seems like it's worth believing that and you know and i way i um after interviewing one of them my my favorite analogy for it was like well it's like a, it's like when you're, when you're in a dream state your brain creates like you interact with other people or entity whatever in your dream that seem autonomous to you so if my brain can do that while i'm dreaming i'm at least willing to believe that somebody else may be able to induce that type of thing when they're awake anyway that's what the tulpa is. so the tulpa is the imaginary friend that these people make in their heads and anyway so we the, the to answer your question um we decided that they weren't a cult because they didn't check off some of the like well it doesn't seem like there's expected harm except for maybe in a few cases where you know people had a bad experience with it um it doesn't seem like it's consuming these people's lives there's there's no charismatic leader it's like a very diffuse sort of like online community so it didn't really check those boxes that are really sort of like the strong red flags and so we decided it was a you know it was a just weird even with like anti-factuality <laughs> it was mixed it, it didn't seem yeah. like there were a lot of people living in a complete you know fantasy or denying reality it was instead hey yeah i know i have i'm doing this really weird thing and it's it's very strange and also it's really helpful and enjoyable to me and so i'm going to keep doing it and it was it was actually a really sweet couple episodes that we did because it was so nice to kind of come across a group that from the outside and from when i first discovered it was so strange and so foreign and so like almost disturbing and then getting to getting invited into that a little bit more and learning more about it and realizing oh no this is actually really nice for a lot of these people that are involved this is this is a plus this is a benefit this is something that's helping these people and also not hurting anyone and it's just a nice group that exists on the internet there's so much there's so many terrible things in the world right now it's nice to know that there's some little respites out there yeah and and the reason i think it's my favorite of of the examples there is just because it definitely is weird it's super weird but the, the point that we make on that that episode and we have made on other episodes is that like weird isn't bad weird doesn't have to be bad right if there was expected harm there yeah it would be bad but like weird is actually good like i i enjoy learning about these folks that are doing something that's so like wildly outside of my experience. Um, It's definitely weird, but it's also super cool and interesting. That makes perfect (laughs) sense because no, yeah, weird does not have to be bad. Sometimes it's, it's because you are not coming to it with having those same experiences. And so it's from the outsider's perspective, it's like, Oh, that's just a little funky. What's up with this? And it's as simple as that. It's just different. And it's not, you know, from your experience base. Um, I did want to mention, because you did talk about the the motivation. And um, one of the things that I have noticed on several of my videos, there are some people, the comments I get, as you can imagine, sometimes get really out there. I mean, I'm attacked all the time. And um, I have to always keep in my mind that they're trying to hold on to what they believe in. And even though I'm not actually, well, I would say I am critiquing what people put together and some of the leaders I have talked about, I critique what they're doing because I find it problematic. But these people, it's like they can't see past the good that they think exists to see like the other side of like, well, there's actually harmful things that are happening and this is actually not sustainable. And so I find it very fascinating one that people feel compelled. They have to say something Two, what they have to say is um, derogatory towards my personhood and three that they just can't just like move on. You know, they just, it's like, they just have to do something. And I don't know if you've come across that within your studies where there are people who are, it just seems like they're always out and attacking others who are critiquing their belief systems of whatever that might be, you know, be it MLM, be it a religious cult, be it a spiritual cult. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. 
have you run into anything like that where you find people are always defending their thing because they hold onto it so tightly and they can't possibly see that, well, maybe somebody else has something to say that I should possibly look at. Yeah. All the time. Um, I, I can't say that it's really happened with us very often The The one time that, that we have personally gotten some, uh, feedback air quotes um that that is similar to what you're talking about which by the way i'm sorry that you get attacked for this but i totally understand like why it happens as you say people when when people's belief systems that they have spent a lot of time and energy and hope in building are challenged even though the challenge comes from reality humans react mentally they react violently against that so but it's it's unfortunate that you have to endure the the, the consequences of that um but but yeah like the, the only time it's happened with us was when we did an episode on teal swan mm-hmm. um so if you, okay so you know who teal swan is so just oh, yeah. yeah for your for your audience um she is a uh she's a cult leader she's a cult leader right? yeah. she's a cult leader <laughs> she she's a very modern type of cult leader she has an you know the amalgam of new age beliefs like it's all law of attraction and, and past lives and Christ it's it's all of the new age stuff kind of wrapped up in this um internet influencer bow she's very big on youtube her instagram is all gorgeous she's um, really good at seo and yeah she's she's like a modern very modern color but uh yeah it's it's an, it's interesting by the way as a tangent like a lot of these if we find like because we did also did ramtha jay-z knight uh, we've done a several that have like been in that sort of like new agey space. And it's like, they all have this like same like poo poo platter of beliefs. You know, they're all like, well, you gotta have the crystals and the aliens. And we got to check the box of, you know, it's like all these boxes. You can create check. your own reality, right. uh, law of attract, like just all of that. It's all just, just boxes to check. Eventually they'll check all of the boxes. Yeah. So we did this episode on, on Teal Swan and, and on our Instagram, we did get a comment. It wasn't even really that mean. It was just like, like you guys haven't discovered the, you know, beautiful nature of teal, and it's I'm so, I feel so bad for you that you're so ignorant or something like that. So it was. It could have been much worse. Could have been much worse. Like it wasn't like a death threat. I was just like, oh, okay, thank thanks for your feedback, man. But considering that <laughs> this woman in particular, um, yeah, has been accused of uh, inciting suicides in her followers. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah, it's it's, pretty it's always troubling to come across somebody who is still under that spell who is still kind of stuck in, in that group. No, when, you know, us on the outside know that there is expected harm. And yeah, I think that it's expected harm was high for that one. Yeah. Very high. Um, But I I think that the benefit, one of the benefits of, of doing our show, at least for us personally, is that it has really made me have a different relationship with my own beliefs and my own thoughts. And, I think I can better identify now when I have that kind of knee-jerk reaction of you're saying something different than what I believe and I have to defend it and I have to doggedly hold on to this. Instead, it's, I hope that it's made us kind of be able to take a step back now and go, well, why am I, why am I holding on to this? Why do I feel attacked? Why do I even feel the need to respond, especially to somebody who's not even talking to me? Like if you're doing a video on YouTube, you're not seeking out people and, and, and shitting on their beliefs. You're or, not going to their house yeah, and saying, what is wrong with you? Yeah. So to have those, that need to defend against somebody who's not even attacking you, yeah. um, it's kind of made me think, think and feel a little bit differently about the beliefs that I have yeah, and just be, be more open to the idea of like, like you said, I have blind spots. I have blind spots in my beliefs and I don't know what they are. And maybe I should pay attention to the times when I feel like my identity is being attacked when somebody else has a different right. viewpoint, which is so hard nowadays because of how, how polarized everything is too. And you know, that's, we, you know, within our, our public sphere, there's so many things that are polarized. And I know there's things that I believe, you know, politically and socially and everything that, um, you know, things that come into my, my informational, you know, whatever that I, that things that I read, right. Things that I see. And I, and I know that some of them I should be legitimately angry about. And I know that some of them are probably things that, am, you know, am I getting the whole story? Is it just that my beliefs are being challenged? So you know, it's hard. It's, it's extra hard now. And with all the information that's out there and social media and so many, 
so many fake sources of information. And I've definitely read things where I've been like, that's stupid. And then like a little bit later, it's like, oh, that wasn't real. Shit, I just fell for it. Damn it. Yeah. Um, and, and I just, the, the only way to really, to me, the only way to really approach it that I can think of is one is constant vigilance. You just have to constantly be vigilant about your own, your own beliefs and your, what you're defending and not defending. And then, um, and then be gentle with yourself and just understand that you're not going to, you will never get to 0%. The, the most critical thinking thinker in the world, even Dr. Gorski himself, probably <laughs> it will never get to a hundred percent accuracy in beliefs, how we perceive reality It's just not possible. So, to me, I just, A, try to be vigilant and B, try to be gentle with myself. But, but going back to sort of your original question, yeah, we've seen that a whole bunch. We've, like that's definitely in place a lot with Teal Swan. Um, that's definitely in place with, uh, with MLMs. I think it's very strong. It's very strong because, because again, the motivation is it's almost like the, the stronger the motivation to, to, the stronger the need to have the thing be true, the stronger it, your reasoning systems kick in to, to defend it. Um, and the motivations for MLMs are very high. As you pointed out on our show, they tend to recruit people who are in vulnerable situations like many cults do. Um, and so somebody in a vulnerable, in a vulnerable spot will have a very high motivation to want to believe something that can get them out of it. Um, so we see with that, what's some, what are some other places where we've seen that? I mean, like certainly with Ramtha, Right, with Jay-Z Knight and Ramtha. So Jay-Z Knight's another woman who runs a cult up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, and She's like OG Teal. Yeah. <laughs> but minus the suicide flavor. Instead, she's, I mean, she's had deaths around her. She's had deaths, yeah. but yeah, yeah. It's, so expected harm, rather high. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, with that, with that group in particular, we've experienced that firsthand with, with Ramtha. Um, just now thinking back, one of, one of our other kind of like origin stories is oh, right. oh, man. Yeah. I was, Actually, I was taking did. a class um, when I was in college and it was a, it was, I don't want to get too, too far into it, but a, a film was presented in the class and the film was created by Ramtha's group, by the cult group. And it was not, the professor did not make it clear that, hey, this movie is made by a cult and not based in scientific fact at all and is presenting itself as scientific. She literally said everything you're about to see in this movie is true. Yes. And it um, was just, it was called What the Bleep Do We Know? I highly recommend watching it if you have like a bottle of alcohol and you're going to play a drinking game and just like take a shot every time they say something bizarre or like that doesn't make any sense or if it's something super that, fun if it's something that you have seen and and <laughs> felt right to you um i would just say that a lot of the people that were interviewed for the film that are scientists were not um quoted accurately and they have spoken or out did about, not know did not know the were, nature of the film yeah. and have spoken out about their the way that they were presented in the movie so just put that out there but when we watch when you know in this class when i watch this 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 movie um, and I had, I knew that it was created by this cult because you had already told me about it. And because it was not, we were not in the class presented with all of the information. I, you know, my naive 20 year old self was like, I should, I should bring this up. Um, and I attempted to kind of bring it up and you emailed the, the class and we're like, Hey, just, you know, this is approach right. this with the appropriate amount of skepticism because here are the facts about this movie. And the response from my fellow classmates who, who really dug the film and I don't blame them. It presents some really, you know, cool new age stuff. If you're into believing in magic, it's like, yeah, super fun. it's, it's great awesome. fantasy. It's great. Um, but the reaction was, I don't want to say it was violent, but it was definitely very aggressive. It was very, oh, yeah very aggressive and i i you know again they, naively they, i mean they, was not some of the replies it. to that email were i would call attacking you yeah, yeah. it was it, i mean I, I literally was like i don't know what i'm gonna do so i just dropped the class because i was like i can't go i can never go back into this class um it was yeah that was that was that was like the one negative experience, experience i had in college <laughs> uh, class-wise but it was seeing that firsthand when i was you know 21 and ha having that experience of gently bringing something up and then having 
that dogged response of not just saying that I'm wrong, but attacking. Mm -hmm. That was definitely formative. And I think definitely something that, you know, contributes to my interest in, in doing what we're doing. And, you know, Ramtha was our first, our first episode was about Best Friends Animal Society. Our second episode was about Ramtha and Jay-Z Knight and what the bleep do we know? And I think that it's because those are two of our most like formative experiences with Quantum this. Quantum flap doodle. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just, I'll add to that. I, you know, on, on the flip side of it, <clears throat> I know that I have had some beliefs um, in the past, maybe even now where somebody has challenged me and I know that I'm not sure that I've necessarily like, you know, emailed them something mean, but I've definitely, you know, had that experience of like, well, how dare you say that about this thing that I believe you're, you're wrong. You must be wrong. Uh, I, I know it. I can, I feel like you're wrong. Like I've, I've definitely had that experience myself where I've felt that sort of like visceral um, reaction to somebody challenging a belief that I've had. So it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a human experience, but it's, it's unfortunate that sometimes it manifests itself in like angry emails or, you know, angry comments on your channel. You know, it's this whole law of attraction thing because within MLM, it's a huge thing. Personal development is a huge thing, as you know, we have discussed. I did a video on Esther Hicks, and as her being the, or Abraham, I mean, it's like always like, what do I call it? I'm very confused about them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like they, he, she, I don't know, because like, what are you? I don't know. It's like, depends who's talking at the time of day. Right. I don't know. But the comments I get on that, because I'm not in alignment, and I. Mm. And mm -hmm. I offered this comment and basically somebody talking about how I must have a negative mindset and that I must be depressed and always be suicidal. I mean, it was just, Jeez. Wow. Oh, it was awful. It was, it was, I was just like, wow. Because the point of that video, it was like, yes, I went into the history because I don't know if you know this or not, but her husband was part of Amway. So right, right, right. There comes this like, oh, so this makes sense of how all of this was birthed. And it's like, okay, I, I get that. And then it's part of, you know, the MLM stuff because I sure as heck got sucked into law of attraction, was listening to Abraham, Esther, you know, whoever, you know, mm -hmm. all, all the time because it's like, okay, I just have to get that, you know, I, I've got to get myself right. But mm -hmm. those comments from those people who hold on to the law of attraction Oh, it's like, you guys can probably get episodes off of this. Because <laughs> it's like, wow, it, it is really, it's, um, it makes me afraid for the people who are saying these comments, you know, sure. like, yeah. like, I'm concerned about you and your well-being because I'm fine. I'm good. You know, just because yeah, I'm no. criticizing something that you hold dear does not mean I'm criticizing you as an individual. I'm just right. Let's look at this differently. Let's examine this. Because I was, like I said, I was sucked into it. But I find it very interesting that you bring up Teal because I had on um, Andy the Fellows. Andy was in Teal Swan's cult. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, not cool. Not, not cool, but. <laughs> interesting. But, you know, he's a very interesting guy to talk to. Um, he has got a great YouTube channel. Um, and so it's always interesting when I talk to people who have been like in law of attraction type stuff, because, you know, on the, because um, I, I talk about MLM being like the umbrella, but on the outside of the umbrella, there's all this coaching type stuff. And oftentimes it does deal with law of attraction, even if it's business coaching, usually there's always something about, you know, the new agey stuff mm -hmm. interwoven into that. And I really feel like so much of that has permeated our culture and become, you know, normalized. And I, I am concerned about it. It does really make me go, well, and, and I, again, uh, I became part of it. I became part of the problem, I guess, because, you know, there's no way you can do that 24, seven, 365, just always, you know, be in this positive, positive, positive. And like, somehow you're going to create your reality just through your thoughts and, it, it just becomes so problematic. And I'm saying all of this because I think there's a lot of different people you guys could like dive into of all these different like coachy type things. Right. I mean, I have my index cards, which are, I mean, here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and I need to reformulate this because I just like, I keep writing things down. It's like, oh, there's, there's just so much of it. I can't cover it all. And you guys 
already said that when it comes to the cults that you're looking at or trying to figure out if something is a cult. It's like there's so many of these things going on. And I think more oh, yeah. than anything for, for all of us, you know, you guys questioning things about whether it's a cult, me looking at things that are MLM and talking about problematic things. I think overall, that's what we are trying to do is just bring awareness to people that, you know, that thing you've been thinking about, that thing you wanted to join or that thing that, you know, this, you might want to kind of peel back that onion and look at the different layers. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and part of what I like about, and this is it's only really tangentially related to what you said, but it, you know, the, when you're approaching somebody that's in it, um, what I really liked on, on your interview on our show and uh, that you, and you bring this up on a couple of your other, several of your other videos, um, on your channel is, is approaching with kindness, right? Approaching somebody that's in it, that is suffering as a victim of one of these things um, and being understanding and kind and gentle. And, and that's the only way to really help them because if you're confrontational, if you approach it adversarially, you're not going to get any traction at all. And that's and the, basically my favorite thing about what you're doing is that <laughs> because it's, it's hard and it's, it's important. Um, to do it that way. I, it's, uh, yeah. It's there, there's something that you've said on our show a couple of times. I think you quoted it maybe in the first episode of season two, I think where, um, I, I forget who the quote is from, but it's, you can't save people. You can only love them. And I guess then, and then, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's something that's, I mean, not only is it shaping, you know, our second season of our show, but just giving us a reframe of, of reality because we, I think, especially in, in the States, we're all probably going to have our lives touched by groups like these. If it's MLM or if it's some weird business coach you're into, or, you know, I work in Hollywood and I, there's countless, countless stories of, of especially actors and writers who, you know, go to a writing school or go to an acting coach and they basically join a destructive cult. It's, it's our lives are so touched by this and it's so difficult from an outsider's perspective perspective to see somebody that you love get involved in this and there's not really an infrastructure to help outsiders um help people on the inside there's you know th there's so many different schools of thoughts on that and so many different tactics but really for just the lay person there's nothing to do and and that can feel really discouraging that can feel really disempowering that can feel really devastating and just scary and dark. And I, I think that in this case, prevention is probably one of the best things that we can do it, to, to help keep people from going to these groups and, and just building up our social networks and building up our social safety nets and, and building up better communication and awareness. Like you said, that's the best defense against any of, of these groups taking over our loved one's lives is trying to kind of have this awareness be out there before, before the, the damaging thing can take hold. Yeah. And I, and I would also add, like, if there's one thing that I would say, like, what is the, what is the one thing that really the, the spark that gives you energy to do the show? I would say that it's just being a voice, just being there, just existing to say, we are here too. You are not alone. I know it's scary, but, but we're here and we hear you like, cause to me, I've, I've been, especially doing this research. Sometimes I feel like, Oh my God, this is overwhelming. Like, you know, is, is everybody crazy? It's everywhere. You Am know, I crazy? <laughs> Am I, everybody else maybe insane? I'm the one that's crazy. So it's like, it's very easy to feel discouraged. Um, it, you know, in, in that sort of environment and the environment we find ourselves in. So if, you know, there's one thing that really keeps, keeps me, keeps moving me on the show. It's just the desire to be, to be out there to say that you are, you are not alone. We hear you. We're, we're in this together and, and we can, we can get there. We can get through it. Hopefully. <laughs> I think it'll take time. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, cause this stuff has been around for a minute. So I think it's going to get, it take probably more time to try to scrub it away of just in you know, like peel it off because it's, it's so, um, so much of our cultural DNA 
is that stuff infused in. And so it's like you first have to even know it's out there. And then you have to be able to be willing to recognize that maybe something that you're involved in isn't all that after all. And it, I think it's, that's why with you guys, the work that you do, because you, know, you, you are shining a light and you're kind of pulling back and examining something because you're not like up close with it because you're not part of it. And it's that critical thinking and being able to peel those layers off and look at each one and talk about them in a calm, rational manner and you know, have that dialogue. I think it is crucial work that you guys are doing and that needs to be done. And um, I'm really glad that you're out there doing it. And I want to say thank you very much for the effort that you do. Cause I know it takes time. I mean, with what I do, I mean, the research, I mean, it takes a lot of time and it does eat at you. Cause you're just like, Oh my gosh, it's so much. Oh, you know, yep. Take another bath, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I know. And we'll say thank you to you too um, for, for your channel. I, I like, I love your videos. And I love what you're doing. And it's, and it's a, you know, as you just said, it can be tough. Especially right now when I, I, I think that we're probably going to be seeing a bit of an uptick in MLM activity over the next little yeah. bit, just with all of the economic instability and with so many people losing their jobs and with so much unemployment, it's kind of like, this is, this is the hotbed, it's this, breeding is, grounds. this is the hunting grounds for <laughs> MLMs right now. I think we're going to see an uptick Yeah, and that's going to be, you know, that's going to be its own battle that's going to be its own thing to kind of have to sit back and watch happen it, and so yeah having having channels like yours I think is is the best medicine it definitely is and one of the things is you talked about um MLMs like the they're known they're all over the place but there's so many companies that are MLMs that people don't know about right? like Beachbody it is <laughs> well that one's a pretty big one but I'm talking something well, we didn't about- know because we originally we were like because um, you did insanity right years ago no and, idea and I don't even think I think we knew it was MLM before we interviewed you, but before we started doing the research on that episode, but certainly not when you were, you know, in it, hanging out with Sean T. Yeah, no. Oh God, I love Sean. I, I just you know, <laughs> I look at him and I'm like, oh, you just got to smell good. I just want to cuddle with him. You know? <laughs> He's a nice looking man, but now oh, he is. hurts that it's like, oh, I don't want to go this, sweetie. Please walk away. Please, you please. Don't know. I hope you don't know. It's better that you, do, if, yeah, if please, you don't I know, don't that's know. better. Because yeah. if you do know, then that, that makes me even more Shatters sad. my whole reality. Exactly. Because I love him so much. It's like, please help. I hope you're just ignorant to it. You know? <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, there are some other ones that okay, I will be, okay, well, let me see. I found one that's basically a bra MLM. So I'll be doing a show on that. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What is? You know, and I've done one. There's been two that are sanitary napkins, one that's funeral insurance. So what I try to do is bring up some ones wow. that people don't know about. There's a soft right. one. I mean, literally, it's like anything and everything is up for grabs. It doesn't matter. But I like shining a light on these things that people don't know. And right. I had somebody make a comment, and of course, I wrote the company down, and they asked about this one particular brand. You're like, is this an MLM? And it took me all of 30 seconds. I'm like, sure as shit is. And this person is going on and saying how it's not. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm now going to do a video on how you can tell whether or not something is an MLM. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. As an example. Yes. Because it's like people believe the stories these leaders are telling. Like, oh, well, this person created this and look how great. Well, you know, it's a tiny little MLM. So to you, it doesn't look like it's harmful. It's still built in that destructive way, you know? And I have some say like, well, it's an option. You're not, you don't have to build a team. No, you never do have to build a team with any of these things. But if you want to have money, you've got to recruit. Right. That's the bottom line. And it's like, I'm going, gosh, you, you guys just, oh, I'm going to go bang my head against the wall. <laughs> but again, they're just yeah. so far into it, they can't see it. And I'm like, I, I know maybe one day you'll come back and you'll realize that, you know, I've got love for you and I don't have love for 
that structure of a company. Right. But I do want to say thank you guys so very much for your time. And I'm going to wrap this up and then, you know, we can hang out for a few minutes before I like, Oh, (laughs) we feel about our merry ways. So thank you so much for your time today. I had such a great time chatting with you guys. And I hope that in the future you may want to come back and we'll just, we'll wing it again. Who knows? I mean, totally unplanned, unscripted, un everything (laughs) edition. So we, we love winging it. This yeah. was this was awesome. Thank you so much for having us. It was so great to be able to chat a little bit about what we yeah. do and just kind of talk to you more because you re- you really are doing just like the Lord's work out there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Kayla and Chris, thank you so very much for your time and willingness to chat with me. I really appreciate it. I absolutely love connecting with other content creators, especially those of us who are in similar kind of bubbles, because I really think it helps us provide more content for our audience and also helps our audience be more informed. If you have not checked out the podcast, Cult or Just Weird, make sure you do so. The link is in the description. When we come across something that just kind of makes us go, hmm, and we give it the side eye. It's really up to us to try to figure out if it is a high control group that is destroying people emotionally, psychologically, financially. And it is up to us to get the word out so that we can hopefully help other people avoid mistakes either that we have made or people that we talk to have made. Often these things will appear okay on the surface, but when you lift the hood and start really examining it, you find out that what it claims to be is not necessarily what it is. Your voice, my voice, our voice. Our voices are important altogether, collectively and individually, because if we want there to be change, it is up to us to get the word out and change starts now.